I would like you to imagine that the last time we met with the guest, we were so deep into our conversations that night has fallen. We didn't even realize that that happened. Today, I'm here with a friend and also one of the most amazing visionaries that I met in the past years. Uh, somebody that is really changing the view of how an industry should work. My name is Gianluca Cinque Palmi. You're listening to GLC Live, my podcast dedicated to business design. I'm an educator, design entrepreneur, and best-selling author. This show is dedicated to designers, creatives, and entrepreneurs that, like me, want to inspire, challenge, and disrupt the business and design industry. In this episode, Tradition versus Innovation with David Clementoni. Ciao, David. How are you? Ciao. Ciao. Super good. Super good. Super good. So you must be super tired because I know there is so much going on on your side. Yeah. Uh, you... <laughs> yeah, that's why it's super good. <laughs> because I have to enhance the level of good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. David, so tell us a little bit who you are. You are the founder or co-founder of Italian Artisan, which is uh, an amazing platform that you're going to tell us about and what do you do and how did you came with this amazing idea all right sure so uh i start from where i come from and where my roots are so basically part of my family was uh, artisanal so they were really working with hands and they were creating by hands and it was the maternal part of the family and on the other side i had the the father part of the family where um, they were artisan as well at the beginning and they evolved and they became entrepreneurs on that so basically what uh, mm-hmm. what i've learned through that is that uh, everyone started with an artisanal approach so they had to pass through the hands and evolve those uh, way of working into a different level to become an entrepreneur. So right. after studying and working outside of Italy, uh, I came back from New York. I spent three years in my family business. Where uh, back to the markets region where I'm from, I realized that uh, there was a need for the micro small familiar businesses of made in Italy to go internationally in an easy way. And that's where mm-hmm. Italian artisan is born. So I started to look around and understand which was the real need of these small and micro businesses. And I started to realize that uh, it wasn't just uh, making a platform that could make a difference. It was uh, understanding how tradition has been worked through these uh, artisanal hands. And uh, that's where we started. Awesome. So you had this amazing vision because you are trying to change the way that uh, I would say designers and brands approach the artisans. And so you can create value for both the artisan and the fashion brand. Sure. So you take the tradition of the handmaking, handcrafting, and you are. I would say <laughs> launching it <laughs> like a rocket into 
the 22nd century almost because you 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 bring all this new technological approach with with a, with a platform that basically pairs brands with artisans in in a in an easy way and actually you told me a data uh, last time we spoke that you said uh, you shifted the the ability to to launch a product from how many days to how many how many days i don't remember well, uh, we estimated that uh, uh, one of the best let's let's start from the beginning what we do we basically help international brands to get in touch with the made in italy productions so the best made in italy partners that could uh, match to build or to continue to produce for their fashion brands shoes bags accessories and all of that so basically we gave uh, the visibility and the easy access uh, to the small manufacturers uh, that uh, did not have a high level of digitalization and they were um, you know they were in districts manufacturing districts uh, they were hard to reach for international brands or international clients or buyers so by said that uh, going to the number you asked me um, the other day i was telling you that uh, we really cut the time for building a business relationship because uh, traditionally they were going to fairs they were meeting each other in a different way in a physical way first and after digital so the trust between the two parties it was much more stronger what uh, what we estimated it was 24 weeks uh, up to 32 weeks uh, to close the business relationship so it wasn't that uh, that fast so we had this case history a couple of months ago, which was uh, getting to know each other, two people, producer and international brands that didn't know each other before through an online platform and they closed the deal in six hours. Six hours means that they get to know each other, they wow. understand what they need to do and they get paid for doing that. So wow. that's the, we had to disrupt their mindset first. We had to understand <laughs> Right. to let them understand that it could happen because the artisanal mentality and the manufacturer mentality most of the time especially a few years ago wasn't the one that i believe i can reach the international clients the international world in an easy way and the first block was to understand the platform was a tool it wasn't the final goal absolutely also was in a way, there was a huge amount of investment involved. So if you were, let's say, a, a small producer from market, uh, the expenditure to go into an international fair to ship the merchandise to prepare, it was a huge investment, yeah. right? So yeah. that that was really hard for them to do. And maybe they were exceptional artisans and they have so much to offer. So you really bridged a gap that wasn't existing there. This is why I'm so honored when we have these discussions and to, uh, to have worked with you and uh, on, on ideas and projects and, uh, uh, and trying to, you know, navigate these strange ways, because in my opinion, you are truly a, um, a disruptive entrepreneur and you are a, a disruptive leader because I, I believe Correct me if I'm wrong. At the beginning, people were saying that you were mad, right? <laughs> More than that, they were closing doors to their company and say that I was crazy. 
and uh, they're, uh, they've been doing what they've done for the last uh, 50, 30, 100 years. So they had strong roots, strong way of doing what they were doing, and they wouldn't believe that something could change. They wouldn't believe that uh, they could reach easily other markets that were, they seemed so far away from uh, what they were before. And uh, just to go back to those numbers, uh, we cutted the price, not only for the artisan to go internationally, but imagine that it wasn't just a matter of money. It was a matter of mindset. It was a matter of language. It was a matter of approach, of processes, because most of the time, even they were in touch with the clients, they couldn't continue the business negotiation. They couldn't close the business negotiation. Why? Because just they had an Italian mindset and the client had an international mindset. So <laughs> that was easier than what we thought. The biggest problem wasn't just uh, how they were working. It was understanding the gap of information they had between the two parties. So we, of course, we cut time and costs on both sides, because on the other side for a brand coming to Italy, especially in the small regions in the small manufacturing districts, there are 54 different manufacturing districts in Italy that are traced. Wow. And every district has its own features, as we said, has its own characteristics, has its own tradition on way of collaborating as well. And uh, for those international brands coming to a district, coming to visiting companies, and most of them maybe didn't have a sign outside of their companies. Most of them are garages or they, they have the same, the company inside of the same place where they live. Most of them are family businesses. We say in Italy, they have casa and bottega. So the home <laughs> and the place where they work. And it was really hard to find them. They weren't on Google. So the cost to go there, the transactional cost, the transports, and of course, the risks they were uh, having with intermediaries and uh, uh, everyone that was in the middle of the supply chain, it was a lot. So we estimated that we cut this cost uh, by a half and we accelerated by three times the timing that it was uh, before us. Wow, amazing. So you are describing exactly the concept of, I mean, it's very famous in, in, um, in the Blue Ocean strategy that you were, you are actually talking of value innovation. So you are reducing costs and increasing value. Um, so David, sorry, I want to go back to the roots and I'm really interested on the, the thinking behind all of this. Like, how did you start thinking about this? Like, is, you could have done, I don't know, 10,000 different things, right? You could have gone into banking or, or be a consultant in some fancy uh, firm or, I don't know, whatever. So why, why did you start this journey? And I believe that when you started, you were you knew that this wasn't going to be easy, right? It, it was a, a steep hill. So what drove you to, to start this? Why, uh, why you started thinking this way? Why you believe that that kind of problem could have been solved through technology? Well, I'm trying to go back in time right? and try to 
feel again what I was feeling at that time in order to transmit that to you, right? So <laughs> I'm, uh, as I said, I'm coming from uh, the Marcus region where uh, there is a, a huge concentration of production for leather, shoes, uh, and bags. And it happened that one time I was uh, looking around with a friend, like just visiting these companies. It was just for pleasure. And uh, I entered this company and in one second, I realized that that person that was in front of me, it was uh, making a luxury shoe. And it was, uh, I won't say the brand, but it was a, a luxury brand. So yeah. when, when I told this guy, do you really believe, or it's amazing, you, you, do you understand that you have a luxury company? He looked at himself with this luxury shoe in his hands. He looked at himself and he said, look at me. I'm all full of dirt. I'm, fu I'm full of glue. How can it be luxury? <laughs> so in that moment, I switched. In that moment, I realized that the, the people that are in the back end of brands, so I, I like to, to use this uh, similitude on back end and front end, as a friend Flavio <laughs> used. But uh, um, they didn't realize that the back end was so important, as important as the front end. And most of the time, that, uh, they didn't realize that uh, they were doing a luxury job and they weren't get paid for that. Mm. So first thing it was uh, understanding why, understanding why that feeling changed from an artisanal approach that it was one-to-one -one where the clients, like the sartorial approach, where the clients was uh, meeting sure. the, the tailor and uh, they were facing each other. Up to a process where even the, the brand designers are not facing the clients, the manufacturer is not even able to understand or wasn't, wasn't proud of being a luxury company. So mm -hmm. that disrupted me disrupt my mindset that's 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 true so i had to disrupt the the point of view on luxury i never dressed with a brand on me i always looked for a, not a fashionable product but more something that could let you express and i tell you mm -hmm. what what deeper came out in that moment where i was in front of this person when i was a child I used to look at people, it was the, the time of uh, Air Jordan. I was playing basketball. I was a kid. I loved Michael Jordan, right? And uh, I, it wasn't the time of Amazon. We didn't have Amazon. I didn't, I didn't just select the shoes on a marketplace uh, and they were sending to me. Yeah. So I was waiting yeah. until Christmas time to have my Jordans every year. Every year. And it was a present <laughs> under the, the Christmas tree. So, yeah. and pro probably your, your parents had to go in the bigger city or up to Milan to, to actually buy them, yeah. you know, because the, I was going with, the, with my mother at that time looking for these shoes. And I tell you, she was so stressed about going around because, you know, they were one pair of shoes, they were just a pair of shoes. So for me, it was a selection, a matter of understanding what was behind that feeling of uh, owning a pair of shoes. But that's the point. So I was so obsessed about that, that uh, every time I was going around, my mother was used to tell me, 
look up because I was looking at the shoes of the people and I was going upward. So that kind of thing, I continue to do that. So if you look at me in the street, I, it looks like I'm crazy, but I started to understand how people look like or how people express themselves starting from bottom up and not top down. And uh, that, that approach uh, it was uh, fundamental when I started to understand that uh, if as a human being, if you don't wear proper shoes or proper products, you don't feel connected to Mother Earth. Okay. So that, that thinking evolved during the time. And uh, let me understand that uh, artisanal products are not just a product that has been made by someone. Artisanal products are products that has passed through different hands of different people that express themselves through that product, enhance and transmit the energy through that product. And when we talk about that, we're talking about something that uh, it's a creation. It's not just a, a new item. And that's what made me really enthusiastic about it and uh, really started to push something more. And let me understand the purpose, the mission was different than just creating a new job and entrepreneurship path. It was just to understand how to bridge this tradition into the future of commerce. That's amazing. So, David, um, we discussed about this for hours and hours and hours. Um, why do you think um, we need to change our approach? We need to change the way that we, um, we approach business. We need to change um, all these values because what you are describing is also something that uh, you were saying before. Maybe the, the, the designer of the fashion brand doesn't even visit uh, the manufacturer. No? Somebody else will bring them the product. So you have this connection that, that is not... Um, is not elevating the, the human condition, we say, right? So um, I find this part of your, of your journey particularly fascinating to me, um, that, that you are really trying to, to bring people back to the roots and to make them discover, in a way, also the beauty of our country that, that is unique to us because we have this wealth of, of craftsmanship that is not celebrated as much. I mean, we talk about made in Italy a lot, but then people, when they say made in Italy, they think about these big fashion brands and, and people don't realize that behind all these big fashion brands, there is, you know, the, the actual artisan that you were talking about that is saying, hey, I'm Mr. Mario and, and I'm full of glue, right? So... That, that is also a, an important mission that, that you are trying to, to achieve with, the, with Italian artisan, right? Sure. And the most difficult part. On one side, because uh, as you said, the Mario um, was, uh, wasn't ready to open uh, the doors of his company to smaller brands or international brands in an easy way. They were so jealous most of the time to let enter new clients uh, if they were not verified. 
And uh, this is a super important point that I want to just focus on that. So what it means that you are jealous about what you do, what it means that you're jealous yeah. about your product. And uh, this, this was crazy as well, because they were selling shoes or, pro or different product, but they were feeling like leaving a kid to the client, leaving something that they owned <laughs> in a deeper way than just the product. So that again was something that uh, we had to analyze and understand better how to uh, get closer to that mindset, to create a smaller distance to their mindset up to the international mindset. On the other side, we got a, a little bit lucky that uh, the world evolved during these times and uh, started to realize that the, one of the most important thing is not anymore just consuming. It's about consuming ethically. And uh, I want to bring this example that I use uh, uh, sometimes. So just imagine my, my grand, the brother of my grandfather is a tailor, right? He's, a, he's still 93 years old and he's still making uh, tailor-made suits to his clients. Let's imagine he has a hundred clients, right? His portfolio of clients, it can be a hundred. And now let's take uh, a company that uh, maybe has a, a, a huge brand uh, over it and it makes uh, 1 million suits. Okay. So I always say that Zio Nene, my uncle, <laughs> Yes. knows every single client, knows every single measurement of his clients, but doesn't stop to that. He knows a lot of their private lives. He goes uh, in uh, casual appointments with them, not only for business purposes. So he became friend to them, to a hundred people. Mm -hmm. On the other side, we have uh, the founder of a company that sells uh, a million of suits. Of course, he knows the data. Of course, he knows the habits, maybe. He probably have uh, a lot of information regarding how th their clients are moving among the day or what they're clicking online. But does he know yeah. what they really like? Does he know their emotions? Does he know how to talk to them or does he really talk to each one of them impossible because he wouldn't have time mm -hmm. so at some point you see that uh, the million suits can create a lot of wealth a lot of money a lot of mechanism but uh, from that founder you you lose the human approach you lose the human touch on the other side Zionene, is having friends. He's living every day as a new day, not of working, of living. Interesting. And that's why he's still continuing, 94 years old, to make suits. Because it's not a job. True. It's a passion. The passion, sure. But let, let me let me ask you because I, I believe 
this is a challenge that a lot of people and you know how much i i align with your vision i'm just trying to play devil's advocate here um so these are some of the discussion that i have a lot with with uh, ceos and entrepreneurs when i say that you know when when we talk about business design when we talk about human-centered design this is one of the first thing we need to consider like uh, are we just moving you know pawns or are you actually empowering people to to do a job that they feel proud of and they feel uh, fulfilled doing and sometimes it's a little bit uh, utopic as 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 a, as a vision but um what i'm saying is that you would have people that are arguing they say yeah but that's a different business you talk about luxury you talk about you know really small um you know, like i mean somebody could argue that zionene is also uh, has a cap right he, he can't uh he can't grow you know and, and when we talk about growth this is a big issue you know i say oh but he maybe had that's he already reached his maximum capacity like he cannot make 150 uh suits because he's as it maximum so how do you argue with that because that i mean you wouldn't have had your air jordan if, if you will right <laughs> if true. nike was thinking like that that's true, that's true. <laughs> And um, and I have to be realistic as well because uh, when I when I made that example, I was just uh, making the point on uh, what's the real purpose and what we're doing every day because that's the thing that makes okay. different. So if the purpose is uh, doing what you like and living an easy and simple life around what you like, you can do it wherever and however you want. But um, so I want to just, uh, we were talking about disrupting the industry. So the point is, yeah. it's not about producing a lot. And that's why I was saying that we got lucky during these times because the world understood yeah. that we need to be ethical on that. And disrupting an industry doesn't make that the industry produce more. Disrupting an industry makes, uh, make the people from my point of view, let's say, make the people that are working in this industry work more transparently, organized, in a meritocracy way, and seeing those people happy to work on this industry. True. That's the real concept for disrupting nowadays for myself, the mindset. So it's not about disrupting industry, but understand that we have a finite amount of resources in this earth. True. <laughs> and even digitalization, let us think in an infinite way. Okay. The resources are finite. <laughs> yeah, the resources are finite. Um, that said, I, I love this idiosyncrasy that you have because 
on one side you are saying that, but to solve the problem, what you are saying is that you are giving access through technology. So you are, in a way, you are democratizing as well uh, craftsmanship because you are giving access to these amazing artisans to whoever wants all over the world. And this is a model that you want to uh, develop further, right? This is something that we were discussing. And, and I would like to touch a little bit on that, that what you, one of the main goals of, of Italian Artisan was to create this circular economy around as well the, um, the region, right? So in that region, specialized on this product, so we can create the best of the best of this. And then eventually you could move that into other parts of the world. Correct. Sure. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. It's about, I, I strongly believe on humans and the skills that they can implement. Okay. So let's go back uh, not that many times, like 50 years ago. When you were going okay. local, you were discussing and talking with local people. And you were learning, okay. because it wasn't the internet there, you were learning what they learned before you. Okay. So the sharing of information, the experience was uh, how they could enhance the skills that has been learned before. So if I, I, if I know how to make a shoe, I will make it better or learn how to make a shoe and put something on myself on that. That was a skills learning. Um, through digitalization and I would say globalization, we used these skills and uh, we didn't enhance them. Mm. And most of the time we focused a lot on uh, what we can do with technology and uh, intelligence, uh, which is not human intelligence, is artificial intelligence. Okay. So when uh, we have to think about uh, how we can disrupt this mechanism, we think again local. And that's the new trend, right? So we start to think about how to enhance the value of living in local places and how to enhance the value of working locally or in local districts or in local places. So the point is, again, coming back to the skills that you can have locally. So let's imagine that there are 100 people again that uh, are working locally. But uh, they've learned these skills without technology. And they've learned the skills from the people behind them, before them. Mm. And now let's put technology on that. So we can enhance the knowledge thanks to technology and let them work in a more organized way, in a more transparent way, in a more accelerated way, where they could have the time. More efficient. That's it. They could yeah. have the time to go to the sea, to the beach. They, they could have the time uh, to enjoy with family. So it's not just a matter of, uh, again, producing more or accelerating the consumption. It's a matter of making what we have a better place to live and work. True. And of course, we can replicate best practices uh, from other local places. 
there are also um, different studies that show that younger generations uh, actually would like to buy less but better. So I, I'd rather pay something slightly more, uh, but knowing that is good quality, um, that has an heritage that comes from sustainable sources um, or traditional sources, whatever. Um, and, 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 and it is a trend that is a trend that is going against this massive uh, expansion that we saw, especially in the, in the fashion industry, when you have, you know, without making names, you know, the, the, all the, the fast fashion brands that, that, um, I was part of the, of, of, a of a panel discussion and it came out that sometimes 60% or 70% of their production is destroyed. Like it's actually burnt. Yeah. And, and that to me was shocking. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't believe they actually do that, but it is a reality. Um, and, and th there is something that, uh, bothers me because uh, when we, we when we say this data, everybody jumps on the sustainability wagon and say, "Oh yes, oh those companies they are evil, blah 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 blah." And then you know everybody has an iPhone or everybody has you know like every everybody likes to buy the, the shirt at at five ninety nine or something like that. So. Um, what you're trying to do is also change this system, right? So also to educate the consumers in a way of saying, hey, maybe you need the basic but but nicer uh, product, right? Yes, uh, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we basically start from the supply chain and... Uh, by giving access to these artisans, we give the opportunity to the brands to not just having their storytelling as a brand or designers, but having the storytelling of the heritage of Made in Italy. So the, the bounding of the two things, it makes it exceptional and even more authentic, but let's say um, a differentiating point from every other brand. So, we're not talking about just a design that has been realized in a product. We're talking about two stories of two people or more people that are coming from different parts of the world that can be designed somewhere else in the world that has the story of that design, that has the feeling as well of that local place. Let's make an example like America or United States or Australia they have completely different mindset and culture than Italian one. But if you take the Australian culture and you mix it with made in Italy, not only manufacturing, but the made in Italy culture that can be transmitted by these people, it's going to be a bomb because you're not talking about <laughs> buying a t-shirt that uh, by cutting the whole supply chain is not that expensive as well. True. But, uh, you're disrupting the mindset of your customers and you're saying that you're actually building together, building a machine by bringing together two different cultures. 
the Australian design and the Made in Italy heritage and manufacturing. And that's something that really um, stick to my mind since I started. And this is something that really gives me the energy every day on uh, continue to understand how to make easy this bonding. How made it possible to feel local when you buy a product of somewhere else in the world that is made in Italy, but you feel the local area of made in Italy. Why? Because you got in touch with that person. You didn't came to a company. You came to meet people. And those people have their own background. And those backgrounds are coming from their own places. And those places, most of the time, have family businesses around. So True. the relationship as well that we are building between international designers and Italian manufacturers are human-human approach, first of all. That's how we structure and build as well the technology around that. But on the other side, it's about let them understand the value of meeting and mm. getting together when uh, they do business and understand what's behind these products. And that's... Yeah, and David, this reminds me of, of, uh, of Castiglioni, one of the famous Italian designers that in a conference uh, there was, I believe, I don't remember if it was American or English um, uh, journalist, and he said, oh, how do you get all these materials and these things that are so interesting and fancy? And he looks at him and said, I don't. These were the things that I, could, that I found, you know, down the street, and they weren't <laughs> fancy. And you see, you know, the, the Tatcha lamp, Uh, which is one of the staples of, of design of uh, Achille Castiglioni. And he said, no, th this was kind of a, you know, a glass ball that I found uh, downstairs. And, and, and I had to, in, we were also talking about the post-war. So uh, resources was scarce. So he had to do what really with the genius of, of, of taking pace, pieces of things that, um, that were available and uh i i know that in uh, we talked with with different people and i know that we we faced a lot of uh rejection when we talk about this because in a way is counter counterintuitive of all this movement of you know you are an entrepreneur you need to 10x all the time and investments and you can sell and and all of this but maybe You know, how do I say? Maybe there isn't only one way to do things. You know, it's, it's not all black or all gray, but I believe that when you empower the people and you bring this kind of, of, of uh, technology, like you said, it's beautiful. Uh, I want to stress that. You say, look, I, I want you to work less but better Um, because technology can help you do this. And so you don't have to become a slave of a bigger um, corporation because you need to sell a lot, but you are able to, to do this better. And maybe also that corporation changes its mind as well because they say maybe there is value in that too. And you say, you know, we only make a thousand of this and then they're gone. So there is there is also that and maybe you have to change maybe you have to be a little bit more creative you know and 
uh, even in fashion now you, you unfortunately you see fashion brands and they are kind of looking very alike because you know this that thing sells and so everybody does the same thing maybe we have to go back uh, to the roots yeah. <laughs> you were saying right so and you buy that brand because they make the best that thing right uh, and and not the other thing instead of having all this huge mishmash of of things that that you you lose your identity on and that's a great opportunity for human being i believe so we're living in a time where we had we have the opportunity of slowing down we had it we've seen it we lived it in a really shortage of time you know what an mvp is right a minimum viable product let's say that we lived a minimum viable testing on how it could be to slow down true so true we've seen that and uh, what uh, what happened is something that uh, will continue no matter what during these times in ourselves because we will remember that sure. so it's our choice right now to understand how we can live this moment from now on instead of uh, do not taking care of which are the resources that are finite we can uh, think about uh, what's uh, the real action it could be to bring value to what uh, we have what we what our um, what the people be before us gave to us and we have a responsibility because after us we come out somebody else so going to the the way another way of doing it another way of doing entrepreneurship right i'm uh, i'm not a fan of somebody that is creating huge disrupting industry and after a while is starting to look for uh, another planet to leave <laughs> because uh, I don't believe that uh, that's happiness. And this is my point of view. Maybe somebody could say, oh, you're not a real innovator because that guy really innovated an industry or really tried to help the Italian uh, or sorry, human being evolution, right? Because somehow we, we evolved during the years. But on the other side, I believe that uh, our present are the roots for the new future. And that future is going to be for somebody else. And we are their roots. True. So if we're building the roots in a, in a proper way, we're already fulfilled. If we're taking the roots that has been done before, we accelerate our happiness because we don't need to recreate roots. And I believe that for a seed, when we talk about roots and let's go back to nature, if we go, if you think about a seed, when you start to plant its first roots, it has to break its actual situation. It has to break the actual um, uh, form, sure. the actual yeah. uh, body that it has. And it, it needs to evolve through roots. So if we push and push on that mechanism, of course, we can be very famous because uh, at some point we made other seeds and uh, we disrupted industry in, somehow, in some other ways. 
but uh, it will be just for us. And most of the time in these magazines, there is uh, one or two people in the front page. There are not the communities of people behind them. The people that really has been disrupted or the people that they created value too. So on, on our side, we, we strongly believe that we had to put the, our principles and our values at first. That's why we call it Italian artisan. Because uh, even it sounds a little bit 80s uh, as a, a branding name, it really, <laughs> it really described on itself why we're standing there, what we're standing for. Because if we, we create a mechanism that if the people inside of our community and uh, platform can work and uh, will generate value, we generate value. Mm -hmm. And those people are Italian artisans. That's amazing, David. Listen, David, I would like to to close with, with this idea. And, you know, my work is mainly training and coaching the leaders of the future. And these are some uh, some of the topics that we talk about on a on, on new way of, of leadership, a different kind of leadership and more human-centered, but also more sustainable uh, way um, of of doing leadership, um, and it, it does come with a, a mindful change. And this doesn't mean that you need to give up revenues. Actually, you are uh, <laughs> you are you are proving that you are actually making <laughs> the industry better because it's more efficient and it generates value for both sides. So the industry becomes even more sustainable. And I mean, th there are many examples also in the, in the great distributions and in the fruit, fruit and vegetables industry. So we are, you know, out of our own industry. And, and you see that, you know, the, the, the people that are actually cultivating the, the, the making the produce, sometimes they are exploited by bigger brands and, and then, it's kind of a vicious cycle because then the more they are exploited, the more they cut corners, the, 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 the worst is the produce, right? Um, and this happens in, in many, many different industries. So it, it's kind of, you, you are trying to, you know, reverse a course of uh, you and your team, of course, is <laughs> not one man, uh, one man, uh, one man band. Um, so, Let's close with with two things. What's your golden rule that that you <laughs> that you stand by and and then you want to share with the people that are listening and and the second one is um how how do we change this mindset to uh to leadership? Like how do, how do we approach that that change? What is the first thing that we should do to to actually think in, in such terms and become better, better leader ourselves as well. So um, let's start from the golden rule. Yes. I, I've learned during these years that um, there are a lot of people that made money by being, as you said, a one-man show, a one-man band. Um, they or a couple of them. So I realized that uh, 
it's not about making money because uh, when I met really powerful people or people that really made it, successful people, successful entrepreneurs, at some point in their lives, even they reach amazing goals, amazing results, they were asking themselves, what's the real purpose? They were going back to their re real inner why. They were asking after a few years that they were running in a machine that uh, they weren't feeling even uh, that they were running so much, they stopped at some point and they asked themselves, why I'm doing this? What's, what's my real purpose? So my golden rule is uh, that I cannot make it by myself, first of all. Mm -hmm. Or if I can make it by myself, I have to learn a practice that I can make by myself, by my hands and by my resources. And uh, I've learned that if I do it in a community way, I have, first of all, a lot of people to share my thoughts and to gain new thoughts and gain new ideas and share new stimulating conversations such as this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned that uh, all this amazing knowledge can be shared through people and uh, not just by a screen because it can be acquired. So my golden rule is uh, to work together instead of being just uh, a Mathira, create a universe of stars. And uh, that universe can really be bright because uh, all the stars uh, have a great light. And the timing of that materia is really fast. <laughs> True. But the sensation you have in a dark night full of stars is priceless. You are also a kind of a philosopher, David, a little bit. I love that. <laughs> I love to mix like natural things or natural feelings with uh, the business ones. And, and I believe that human beings stands for that. At some point, we, yes. we try to make money to live uh, our holidays as best, to live in a better place, to live uh, in the, our desired situation. But what about thinking if we already living our passion, our desire, and in a now every day we go to bed and we say, thanks. Thanks to myself, thanks to the people that gave me everything, thanks to what I can be able to do because I'm already on my desired path. And it's not my desired goal. It's my desired path. Okay. That's interesting. And, and I switch to leadership. Yes. Because I strongly believe that uh, it's not about driving somebody somewhere. It's uh, understanding how we can reach something or somewhere together with happiness again. And uh, I, I won't sound like freak when I say happiness every time, but uh, if we really ask ourselves what we really we stand for every day, 
we're basically running behind happiness status. <laughs> True. I I do have a slight different approach to that because to me happiness is is um is a moment i share with you this my, my thought once again is, is my own opinion uh I, I would like you know to me a happiness you you can't be happy all the time mm -hmm. uh, so happiness is momentary um i would rather have peace uh peace of mind uh, and and i think this is something that um i try to coach uh, in the, in the industries uh, having peace of mind meaning uh, you know that everything is running the way that it should and is running in the right direction uh, and and achieving that 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 is already a huge uh, achievement because one of the things i was having this discussion with 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 a friend who does business intelligence uh, like hardcore <laughs> data analytics and and uh, you know finance and and i asked him i said why you are struggling so much to like to sell your services or or to actually help organization do this like this should be so easy to to sell because everybody was like okay i don't know what's happening now i put a couple of sensors i i do everything in the software and now i know what's happening right and he said, because a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of leaders don't have the time to think. Stop and think. And I'm, I, I, I was so um, touched by this. And I said, wow, this is actually true. Because uh, many entrepreneurs, many leaders, many directors, they, they are keep on, um, you know, turning down fires instead of of thinking okay where is the direction how do we do it and and maybe if we change this approach if we change this mode of leadership and we convey and say look I'm, i don't want you to be happy but I'm, we we can if you empower the people surrounding you you can have peace of mind they can have peace of mind and 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 the the, the machine can run a little bit more smoothly and and we can all like you said, we can all appreciate a little bit more. I strongly agree, and I want to build on that. <laughs> and uh, maybe we're going to reach the point together. Uh, because, yes, yes, we did. <laughs> because I strongly believe that on that moment of happiness, as you said, but that's a goal. The happiness is always a goal, a moment that we aspire, we desire to reach. So what mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, is uh, could be the next level of doing things of collaboration of living and it could be harmony so Absolutely. when we go back to nature again we see that uh, in an untouched by humans environment we see that the environment is creating the right equilibrium okay so I'm trying to follow you by understanding stop as you said let's stop and let's look at what we have which are the resources that we have which are the opportunities ecosystem we are living to build not only working on the ecosystem but living as well on that 
Absolutely. But it takes a lot of humility because mm. we have to understand what we really need and we don't know how to do it, as you said before. It, it needs a lot of courage because we need to express and tell the people what we can do at best, what we are master at. And it needs a lot of uh, brightness, a lot of, uh, of uh, clarity of mindset. And that's why we have to stop because, uh, and, and think, because if we continue to run as animals, again, the animals run only to eat or find something to eat on to escape. True. And, and, and this is something that, yeah, we were talking about it the, the, the other day, um, and is the, the concept of, um, it, it, it's actually the, the essence of business design when we say, you know, business is implemented, but design is discovered. So you need both. You need the discovery part, which is, okay, let me try to find a new way of doing things and then implement that new way, new thing in the best way possible. But if we, can, if we keep on implementing, 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 at one point we are just, we will reach a point where we are asking ourselves, okay, what are we implementing? That we, what are we doing? Because we, we are not matching the both sides. So David, thank you so, so much for this amazing conversation. If we want to follow you um, on, uh, on Italian Artisan, where can we find you? On, uh, just Google Italian Artisan. Are you going to Italian Artisan? ItalianArtisan.com, yes. right? ItalianArtisan.com. Um, there is still a campaign uh, running yeah. for... Uh, uh, for development so we will see when this podcast will be released and um, david thank you so so much uh you know how much i love you uh and uh, how much we spend <laughs> on on discussing on this congratulations on your project is amazing and um, so i strongly advise everyone to go and check it out you can support italian artisan if you have a brand that you want to insert in the platform please do so Thank you so much to David Clementoni from Italian Artisan. This is GLC Live. I'm Gianluca Cinque Palmi. If you enjoyed this podcast or videocast, you can subscribe and comment on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For references and links, please visit glc.live. Thank you, David, again. Thanks to you, Gianluca. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao.